Welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast, uh, episode 65. I don't really have any news or anything. If you don't, Jeremy, I'm just going to kind of jump right into things. Uh, I just want to say um, rest in peace to Suzanne Summers. You had wonderful boobs. <laughs> that's it? That, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, so today with us, we have Mike Score from All Out War, who Jeremy and I were both like really, really excited to talk to because we're both huge fans of the band. Uh, so it was really cool for him to sit and take the time to chat with us. And if you're an All Out War fan or follower, I'm sure you've by now listened to Celestial Rock because it came out like earlier this year. It was like February, February yeah, it was 3rd. Very, very early, yeah. Yeah. Right I, my, you said the 3rd, right? Yeah, February 3rd. It's right on my birthday. Oh, it was? Yeah, I think my birthday's the 7th. No, I think I know. You think your birthday's the 7th? I know it's okay. the 7th. <laughs> yeah, it was a... Uh, <laughs> Definitely like a more black metal influence style. And I dug it. All Out War record. And yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. I think it's and, cool. And uh, like when we interviewed Dom, he kind of referenced it as a more Watain type of feel. And when you listen to the interview and like, you know, about what he was listening to while making the record, right. you can tell that. It makes sense. It makes sense because it was, he was listening to a lot of black metal and shit, and which absolutely nothing wrong with. I thought the album was great. And oh, man. as you know we're both big black metal fans, so that was really cool. So if for some reason you haven't checked out Celestial Rock, definitely go and do so. Um, it's out from Translation Lost Records. Uh, you can stream it everywhere. You can buy it at pretty much any local record store. You can buy it at our local record store. And um, at some point in this episode, like it's about 40-ish minutes in, 45 minutes, we had to take a brief intermission for a couple weeks because I was busy with some stuff and we had some connection issues towards the end of the interview. And I had, uh, I think I had a wedding to go to or something that day that okay. I had to be out of here at five. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, so, and then Mike was heading to Japan for the Blood Axe Fest that he was doing. So at about like 45 minutes-ish, you'll hear a couple little connection blips, and then we're kind of going to piece together two segments to where we pick up where we left off on the previous interview because we didn't get to finish things off in time, and none of us wanted to rush it. So Mike was cool enough to join us for a second time sit down, chat with us, and finish things off for, you know, the podcast episode. So that was really cool. Yeah, I really loved the um, the second part, as you'll find out. Where you can tell everybody's just a little more comfortable with each other. Yeah. He was, like, a fucking really awesome dude and super nice. And, uh, you know, coming from the guy that screams for All Out War, yeah. like, sometimes you never know what to expect from people. Exactly. But... Hey, he was just like talking to some random guy that stops in the record store who's yep. a music fan. So it was cool to talk about record collecting with somebody who's into the same stuff that yeah, we are. Definitely. And um, like what makes a good record store and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. But you'll hear us at a whenever the hello, this is the intermission yeah. <laughs> thing or whatever we end up saying. You'll know what's up. That's where we kind of piece together two episodes because I didn't want to do a part one and part two. I just want to make it one episode for everybody to listen to. So before we get into that, though, we're going to play a track off of Celestial Rot. Uh, the track is called The End Is Always Near, which we do talk about in the podcast interview a little bit. So just as a little insight to the track, you can find out like what it was inspired by. 
Um, and unless you have anything, Jeremy, I'm going to jump right into no, playing play that. play that shit. First off, you good, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm good, right, man. Well, I'm gonna start off with uh, one Mike score from All Out War, not from A Flock of Seagulls. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yes, I appreciate you guys having me on. I've, uh, I believe, we've been listening to All Out War. Well, be twenty plus years. Yeah. So. I first heard you, obviously, like most people, on uh, for all those who were crucified, and. Um, I was at the ripe age of 15, so my mind was uh, easily molded, and I've been a follower <laughs> ever a, since. That's a good way to put e that. Easily corrupted. Yep. Yeah. And uh, no, man, but for real, um, I appreciate all that you've done for uh, me personally, even though you don't know you've done it. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to have an impact in some small way. Also, and, and Rain fucking that shit sounds so awesome how did i want to know um how all that came about at some point too with dom and how did he how'd you end up singing for that and blah 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 okay great um one i guess we'll start off with uh you mentioned that you're going to japan next week we're going to japan to play blood axe um this is the second time playing blood axe and it's our third time in japan and uh 
always a great time going over there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking of, you know, record collecting, it's a, it's a yeah. great place to go to pick up some records. So uh, looking forward to playing the show and looking forward to checking out record stores. Yeah, I've always wanted to dig around other countries for records, especially overseas, because they got there's so many import oh, records know, that are dude. fucking phenomenal that you can't Japan, find here. Right, Japan seems to be the place where all those hard to find '80s thrash metal records yep. ended up. You know, I found last time I was there, I found uh, you know all the you know original presses of all the Destruction records, and I found uh, all, uh, all the original presses of all the uh, Possessed records. Damn. Uh, so I was uh, pleasantly surprised, you know. Because uh, my wife and I both had an extensive record collection, but we sold it off, you know, in the uh, early 2000s so we could buy a house. And I, I appreciate the fact that we were able to, to sink the money into the house, but I do regret selling the records. Yeah, dude, I've, uh, I've had that run through my head. And I've, ha- I've been in a position where, like, I've had to sell guitars and amps, and, but I've never touched my record collection, and I'm like... No, I just, like, I know I'm instantly going to regret it. I just sell duplicates. Right, mostly. right. If I, or if I, I get, like, a better replacement, I'll get rid of that sometimes. Not always. There are records that I have, like, eight copies of. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I regret it, but it is what it is at this point. No, it's exactly. It's cool that you were able to buy a house from it, though. I mean, that goes to show, like, to, you know, kids listening, buy records, not stocks. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really wanted to build a like an El Camino drag car. <laughs> like I just had this itch and I'm like to get the money though, man, I'd have to like half my record collection and I'm like, nah. Nah, let's <laughs> no, I'm good. I'll just let that go away. It's just a little fucking kid dream keeping my records. The one thing I don't regret selling that people bought and I couldn't believe they bought them were like old t shirts. Oh dude, I know, right? And I couldn't believe it because it was a lot of like obscure New York bands, but like just not from the eighties, like from the nineties. And uh, kids, especially European kids, they just yeah, they bought them on eBay. Sure. It's European and, uh, or Japanese. I had so kids. many of those. And I had so many of those shirts. Speaking of you know having duplicates, you know I had like double. So I still have have those. You know a version of those shirts, but. Yeah, they're considered vintage, so like just that alone is a selling yeah. point. But I was some of those designs you can't do, or they change them. Like a lot of the Cold as Life shirts that just got it's repressed had a slightly different design to them, and like I don't know, some of them old hate ink, Cold as Life, like uh, even Madball shirts and stuff, they go for a lot of money. Yeah, I had a Madball Ringer shirt that went for a lot of money. Yeah, Ringer. I have a Pitbull Ringer that a buddy just gave to me because he. It's too big for it, and I was like, I'll make like I was so thankful, you know. It's funny because like you know, right around probably ninety six or ninety seven, those ringer shirts were like really popular. Like everybody had a ringer shirt. Yeah, they're coming and back. It's good to hear <laughs> because we used to have for the uh, hymns of the apocalypse seven inch. We had uh, had a ringer shirt. Oh, that's dope. And, I think uh, they hold up better too. Like. You ever like on old T-shirts, like they fray out at the neck, and the ringers yeah. like never do that. Well, the old Madball shirt I had, you know, held it was like brand new, even though it was it was quite a few years yeah, old. Yeah, that's cool. I was off um off of work for like six weeks, maybe six nine months ago, 
And uh, I supported my family selling my T-shirts. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> straight up. It's crazy. I believe it. And just, and um, it was nothing, like, super crazy. It was, like, late 90s, early 2000s, mid-90s shit. Like, I don't, just, I'm like, I was blown away, you know what I mean? And, of course, yeah. I kept certain ones, but. E-Town Concrete fed you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, a guy <laughs> paid me quite a bit of money for an E-Town Concrete shirt. <laughs> I was like sold. So your your goal in record collecting then is, or not goal rather, but are you like a completist where you want to have like the entire discography, or are you more like you just get the things that you like? I'm a um, record bin diver, okay. so I, I just like the record stores and just and just going through and I find what I find, awesome. you know. And I, I don't really at this point, you know, I'm not really all that particular, you know. It, it doesn't matter to me if it's a repress, you know, I'll buy a repress. Plus a lot of the represses are really cool. So I'm into those anyway, because a lot of times, you know, the layout and the, and the vinyl is, uh, you know, really amazing. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a record snob or anything. I just, I just like having vinyl. Have yeah. you seen those I've new seen integrity represses? <laughs> What's that? Those new integrity represses. From relapse, oh, yeah. those are yeah. fucking dope. Like that you mentioned, yeah. represses. Well, I have you know the originals, and then I have the uh, the represses that that Clint from uh, Organized Crime did, uh-huh. and then now I have all the relapse ones. Yeah, that's crazy. And all yeah, those show up at my local record store anyway, so I have a place that I go like you know pretty much every Friday. I like supporting the local record stores. Oh yeah. When we're, whenever we're on the road, like, I always make it a mission, whatever record stores in that town I go and check out. Yeah, I feel like you, unless you have a really, really deep pocket, you can't be a record snob now. Because, right. like, some of that original shit is so expensive and hard to find. Oh, yeah. It, it's unbelievable. I don't I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, plus, it, like, it almost takes the fun away out of it. Like, I would rather have a cheaper repop copy that I can play, enjoy, listen to, rather than something that I'm like, oh, I spent $600 on this. I don't even want to touch it. Yeah, I go to, a, like, you know, once in a while, you know, you go to, like, an out-of-the-way record store, and, and you'll find something pretty rare that's uh, priced down mainly because... They they don't know what they have, but that's yeah. getting that's getting slimmer and slimmer because now with discogs and everything, yeah, yeah everybody, everybody can know what they have, <laughs> right? Even if they're not into it, they know what it is. Yeah, yeah. But everyone once in a while, I I have some luck. So, do you have any like particular genres of music that you look for while collecting, aside from obviously metal? Uh, no, it's mostly metal <laughs> at this yeah. point. You know, I. Uh, I still have, you know, I also have have a love for like the older hardcore stuff. So if I've run across that, I'll, I'll grab it. Um, but it's mostly metal. Are you like mid '80s hardcore, early '80s hardcore, that kind of stuff? That's like super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I deal with. I had, you know, because my wife was, you know, big into hardcore, still is, but uh, she had. She had a lot of the early stuff, like the Antidote Seven Inch, and and uh, you know the um, first Warzone Seven Inch, and all and all that. So we had we had a lot of that stuff. But now, you know, now I'm just getting the represses because 
can't, you can't replace that. Yeah, I was just thinking of, I have some Youth of Today represses, and um, they sound fucking fantastic. I mean, I have an old, um, like it would have been the first time they put it on CD, but um, break down the walls, and uh, the fucking album blows that out of the water now. It's weird. They, yeah, they remixed yeah. it so much better. Yeah, a lot of yeah. the repress copies end up sounding better than yeah. the old stuff. In certain cases, it yeah. depends on what it is. Sometimes they can sound worse. Um, I have a, a random question that just popped in my head in regard to record collecting, because I know you're a black metal guy, too. So do you have a copy of Dissection Storm of the Lights Bane? No, and it's really funny that you bring that up. <laughs> Well, like, that's like a, it's a hard fucking record yeah. to find not I, in a bootleg version. That, that's like like one of those like goal records that you're like, yeah. wow, I wish I had that record. Yeah. And I always see it like randomly pop up, you know, especially lately. I don't know why, but it, like I've seen a lot of because I'm on a lot of like uh, record collecting, especially metal collecting pages, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen it, people posting it a lot. Well, I know that there's there's like a good eight or nine versions that are bootlegs of it, and there's only three versions that are authentic. Yeah. So I know the purple one, the half black, half purple, and the black one are the authentics. If they're on the end records, they're authentic. But they're also like $400 every time you see them, and it's fucking ridiculous. Man, I got kids. I don't have that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got like, kids too, dude. We, got, we both have kids, so I'm like, there's no way. Like, you can get the CD for like 25, 30 bucks. I'll take that until they do a, a like an official repress. But because I have um, right. Ryan Koss and uh, the Somber Lane, I have vinyl copies of both of those. I've just never been able to find Storm of the Lights Bane. So I was curious because I figured as a black metal guy, it'd be up there on your list if you didn't have it. Yeah, it is up there. I'm just definitely up there on my list. So uh, what are some of the other things that you'd be looking for, like, uh, as far as high-ticket items go? Uh, I, I don't know. We don't uh, always get to converse with other record collectors yeah, on the podcast, so it's I mean, there's so much stuff to that, me. especially in the, in, the, in the black metal realm, there's, there's so much stuff that, that, I, that I would want that I don't have, because I'm, you know relatively new to the genre as far as like really starting to get to know it. And because I started taking that, that deep dive into, I, I was always, you know, interested and, and there was the obvious ones, you know, like the dark thrones, the mayhems, all those bands mm-hmm. you know, that I, that I knew of and I liked in the nineties. But, um, with COVID, I had so much time on my hands and I was so going, you know, as everybody else was of just that, that dark void that I just started doing this deep dive into, you know, black metal. And I discovered so much stuff, especially like, uh, you know, a lot of like, uh, from Portugal, they're, they're pretty popular now, but, uh, Garia, or Garia, however you say that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know. Yep. So I, you know, though that band Spectral Wound, you know, so I started to really get into uh, Lamp of Murmur, uh, Holder, all that newer stuff. Have you, you know, heard Stormkeep? Yes, yes. Yes. Fucking badass. Yeah. So all that stuff started for me, like when I really started to get into the newer stuff, you know, around COVID. It started a little bit before COVID, but then with COVID, I just, uh, and, and that's when the latest, uh, all out war record was written too, 
So you kind of see that reflected in that record. Definitely. Uh, yeah. That, that was makes a be, lot of sense now. That was my catalyst into that question is like, what was some of the stuff that you were listening to while writing Celestial Rot? Because it does have a very like Watain sort of a black metal feel to it compared to the other stuff. I mean, well, we're still... definitely listening to a lot, especially me and my guitar player, Andy, we were listening to, to Watain, but then, like I said, we spectral wound, caustic wound, all the wounds, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, all, all that stuff. And, uh, we were just taking all these deep dives and we were like, we'd already with crawl among the filth started to go into like a more aggressive style. Yeah. Like absolutely. a little than what all that war usually does. And so we were already kind of, of going there. Um, you know, we got into the band craft a lot, who else were we listening to? So many bands, but then then we were listening to like a lot of grind stuff, and so that started creeping in with Crawl Among the Filth, and then it just went to hyperdrive after that. Yeah, that Crawl Among the Filth record was heavy as shit. Yeah. I mean, not that anything previous to it wasn't, but it definitely was going in a solely like just metal direction. Yeah, you can definitely hear the turn right there. Well, I think. You know, who wants to write the same record over and over again, you know? And yeah. we're in this, you know, totally for the love of the music and, and just the creativity of it all. And, um, you know, just we've been trying new things. So the next record will be, you know, even faster. And <laughs> that's cool. You know, so we've already started, started working. We're like probably, let's see three songs done into the new record Damn, and uh, we, we also did a slower song that didn't make the u.s version of uh celestial rot and they're gonna release that in the u.s like any minute now it's like a slowed down version on the it's on the japanese version because we daymare who does a lot of the relapse uh, releases they they uh took on Celestial Rot in Japan, but on the condition that we had like a bonus track, so that track oh, made it nice. onto the Japanese version. So, how's it? Is it getting released as a single or like a seven I inch or so. on the record? No, I'm you know, uh, Drew from Translation Loss, he's he's in charge of how that's gonna pop up because it's his, it's his, uh, his baby. Gotcha. So, uh, he's uh, we'll see he's that how guy he's, that's how uh, he's, Sorry, go ahead. I was telling Jeremy. I, I've been talking to Drew lately, actually. Drew's a great guy. Yeah, he uh, reached out to the store about setting up distribution with translation loss and stuff, because I already have it with Relapse. So, um, But yeah, anyways, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. Oh, all right. So yeah, so that'll that'll come out. That, that song's actually like slower, but it's total, total black metal. It's not, you know, it's not connected to hardcore at all i mean you know what's really you know weird to me about all that war is how eventually we got lumped into um a lot of metalcore but when we were doing what we were doing you know it was just us and Starkweather, marauder confusion dark side and then you know integrity and, and ringworm and i was just talking to somebody about all of this because i always I'm always interested when people are like debating the origins of metalcore and, you know, everybody wants to say this band, this band. And, you know, first of all, I would say like, 
Carnivore, Crumb Suckers, all those bands, you know, were definitely metalcore. I've heard the phrase probably pop up, you know, around that time, like in the mid to late 80s, I heard the, uh, the Crumb Suckers referred to as metalcore. I've heard Carnivore referred to as metalcore. But then, you know, people will debate and say, well, you know, it changed in the 90s. And that's probably true in the sense that I think a lot of bands started to really like embrace more of like a, a death metal edge maybe or I don't even know how to explain it but but when I think of the origins of all of this stuff I kind of look at it like the way the pyramids formed like nobody can really take credit for it because it popped up like in so many different places all at the same time right. and nobody really heard of anybody else for example like you know, we weren't listening to Integrity and Ringworm, and this is no disrespect towards those bands because right, those right. bands are love them. But I think the misconception is that you know bands were you know all pulling from each other in in that realm of what got labeled metalcore. But the reality is, it was just popping up at the same time in different places. You know, and I think a lot of it had to do with in the '90s. Hardcore was sort of fading off in the early 90s, early 90s I'm talking about, like 1990, 1991. You know, a lot of those original hardcore bands, they were they were moving on. You know, a lot of them were were experimenting with, with more like a progressive rock yeah, thing. Yeah, like you had, Youth of Today going into like shelter territory and things exactly, like that nature. And, and, you know, quicksand popping yeah. up. I like uh, underdog morphing into into another and all, and all of this stuff and i think for a lot of us especially for us you know who were like right in that like 17 18 year old range which was most of us at the time you know i, I think we were like looking for somewhere to go and a lot of us had come from the middle background when we were younger but we still love that aggressive edge of hardcore. So I think that that like is the, the attitude. What came out. You know, yeah. yeah, the attitude of hardcore. I mean, because if you really, you know, if you're really being honest and you just listen to a lot of this stuff, if, if the bands look different, they would have been considered metal bands. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I honestly, I, to this day, I don't really like the term metalcore. I think, I don't know. I just. I don't know. I can't explain. I just it to me. It's it's music. I don't know. It's all kind of the. I, I hate the term. Do you, yeah. I just I think it's. Well, I I would imagine you hate it because all our war kept getting lumped oh, into right. it so much, which I never thought of you guys as a hard or a metalcore band, really. No. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. So that yeah, that's kind of why I was like bring that up, and we had a local band here that got labeled like metalcore and it was like the farthest thing from it at least what i would think of i don't know whatever that is i feel like for a while it was just a term that people like yeah, to throw around right. if they couldn't pinpoint it, it was to like be oh exactly if you have uh, hardcore or exactly metal they're like well if it's metal but you got one chanting breakdown it's metal right yeah you got a breakdown <laughs> and a fucking flying v jackson it's metalcore dude i don't yeah makes no sense yeah, it's, it's never a term we, we've really embraced at all. That's well, like when punk started to, to be labeled as such, like they didnn't want to be labeled as punk. Yeah, true. Like MC5, like Wayne Kramer, the first time he read that he was a punk, he was pissed about yeah, it. Yeah. He ripped up the book or the article and like threw it away. I mean, I, I think 
you know, some of the best times for All Out War, just uh, as far as um, really fitting in, because we've always been like the band that doesn't really fit in, you know, and I think the one time we did, we used to play a lot of shows. Ralphie from a band called Disassociate, it's a New York City grind band, yep. he used to put shows, and then there was a band, uh, Crisis, if you're familiar with mm -hmm. them. Yep. And of Zal book shows, and they would book like really eclectic bills, and it was always great playing their shows because it was like the meeting ground for misfit toys, you know. Uh, and every band that played was different. So it's it a lot of shows with with Starkweather, with Disassociate, with Cattle Press, with uh, Black Army Jacket, you know, so you uh, with Dark Side. Yeah, and it was always like a nice mix. You know, and it wasn't until we got signed to Victory that we we started playing with a lot of the Victory bands. Which, and again, I'm not trying to slag anybody because we had great times with with a lot of those bands too. I just think that you know that crowd never really knew what to make of us because we were unapologetically metal. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we were much different than what they were the victory fan was expecting well you know, uh, oh definitely you guys stood out on that label i think that's what yeah, made I, you I, sweet though like, like, yeah to me at least because it was it wasn't the same blueprint like there was it just flipped the script on everything and you were like i need more of this yeah i think us and ringworm definitely you know had that experience with victory and then you know i guess maybe it's because we're from michigan but like um, I just noticed, like, at least Ryan and I are kind of, we lean towards, like, the more aggressive, like, Detroit sound, if you will, you know, like the coldest life, earth movers, uh, like that kind of shit, all the way up to now, like, never-ending games fucking killing it as far as, like, the hardcore Detroit sound goes, but, like, when I first got All Out War, it was like, you made it okay for a fucking hardcore kid to listen to metal, like, unintentionally. Like, that's how I took it, you know? So mm, it was kind of like... That's great. That's, that's one of the biggest compliments you could pay me, so thank you. Yeah, definitely. You're welcome. But you know what I mean? So it was like, well, I'm wearing a shutdown T-shirt and listening to All Out War, and it'd be like, no, it's fucking All Out War, dude. Oh, okay. You know, it's just, <laughs> you're on victory. It does. It's, I know it doesn't make any sense, but when you're younger, it's like, cool, you know? Well, I think, you know... The guys in All Out War, we've we've always moved between two worlds. Like you know, we we hung out at metal shows, we hung out with we hung out at hardcore shows. You know, we went to both and we got excited about both. You know, it wasn't like you know anybody in the band was exclusively going to hardcore right uh, hardcore shows and just pretending to like metal. Like in other words, you know, you have a lot of a lot of hardcore kids that you know they they wear metal gear but they never go to a metal show you know they right don't, you know they they like it so i'm not saying that they they don't like it that's not what i'm saying but they don't you know i go to a lot of metal shows and it's rare that i run into you know the same people that i see at hardcore shows yeah you know it's, it's rare good. once in a while i do but you know it's 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 not that common yeah it's a different community yeah definitely sure. it seems like hardcore people can be more tighten it into their own little genre and then not want to venture out of it or think they can't or whatever it is, you know? 
mean, we, we still try to try to mix it up. Like we're going to go out on the road, you know, just, just a few shows, but with tombs and uh funeral leech in a couple of weeks, you know, so you know, there's two total metal bands on that one. And then, um, in February, we went out with Disassociate, which is a grind band, and Morpheus Descends, which is an old school New York uh, death metal band. Yeah, yeah. I was we uh, interviewed the guitar player from Frozen Soul about a week before Milwaukee Beer Fest or uh, yeah. whatever that was called. I think it was Beer Fest. Oh, Decibel, Decibel Beer Decibel Fest. Decibel Beer yeah. Fest. Yeah, it was in Milwaukee, right? That's what it was. No, it was in uh, that one. Was in Philly. Oh, well, then I got that all fucked up. Anyways, <laughs> I might have been mixing up two shows. But anyways, uh, I seen you guys on the bill. So I was talking to him about that a little bit. And I'm like, this fucking, you know, it's sweet to see All Out War, like, playing with these metal bands. But then they're still playing with these hardcore bands or grindcore bands or whatever. You know, it's kind of all over the map. Like, you get a little taste of every little bit of metal. Yeah, I bet the met the guys from Undeath at that show. They were great guys. Yeah. I didn't get to Frozen Soul, though. But I, I love Frozen Soul. They totally have that bolt thrower feel. Yeah, definitely. He he referred to him as a cold thrower, which I was like, oh yeah, I'm surprised I haven't read that more. That is like a fucking spot on analogy. Because <laughs> that was my pit. Like when I first heard him, everybody that because I'll listen to stuff for the store and then figure, you know let my people know like oh check this band out, this band out you know, to try to sell them on it. Um, so everybody I talk to, I'm like, if you like Bolt Thrower, this is Bolt Thrower, but cold. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. But they're from Texas, so they're yeah, like a warm band, cold climate. I even asked about that. I thought that was funny. But it's cool to see you guys on the bill with so many different bands like that. And so. new bands like that. I like that, um, that, that, you, that you're a person that appreciates new music and aren't like, I only listen to 80s metal. That's it. Fucking that's I, all. Or whatever. I, I love a lot of the new stuff. You know, um, we're playing in Arkansas in a couple of weeks and really excited to play with Our Heaven and Skeletal Remains. Uh, there's been Terminal Nation that's on that show that I'm looking forward to seeing. So uh, I, I, yeah, I totally. think, you know, what a lot of these are doing is great. You know, I really, I really dig these, uh, like a lot of the new death metal bands, like the ones we mentioned, um, and the one that I can't pronounce. <laughs> There's all so but, many. Uh, you can't pronounce. Bog. I really like that band. You know, um, Vomit Forth is another really great um, new death metal type band. Yeah. I don't know that one. I've listened to that band. I, I hear yeah, you mentioning from- a lot of 20 Buck Spin bands. Yeah. I like the I like the twenty bucks spin bands, you know. I, yeah, I we just, do too. We were literally talking about how you could blind buy twenty bucks spin albums and it'd be all right. And, like before we recorded, and I do, and you do. So speaking of blind blind buying, yeah, I I bl- blind bought uh, Gravesend the other day, and the record was phenomenal. So they're just putting out a new record. So uh, yeah, I went to a, I went to a, a record store and somebody must have sold their collection because they had like a ton of uh, twenty bucks spin releases used. So I just you snatched, bought whatever yeah, I could yeah. afford. And, Hell yeah! And Graves, one of them. Terminal Nation was another one. Uh, Witch Vomit, and uh, man, they're all great records. Yeah, they pretty much put out all good stuff. Yeah, like we were saying, it's um. Yeah, you you kind of know what you're getting, and it's always going to be something up your alley from that label. 
Another label that I really like is Profound Lore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they got Wayfarer Out of the and Pacific. stuff on there. Yep, yep. And and that was another another one. Um, whoever sold the record collection, it was, you know, equal parts, 20 bucks spin, profound lore. The profound lore stuff, I already had a lot of that stuff, but um, yeah, but yeah, they're both great labels. I, I, I still love all, all the old stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I find it really boring to hang out with people <laughs> that are, are just like crotchety old guys, you know, that Definitely. don't like anything new. I mean, you know, who wants to talk about the same stuff we've been talking about? Ever. You know, I want to hear some new stuff. Yeah, nobody wants to debate fucking when did Metallica start sucking forever. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, we all know when they started sucking. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. Know, like, everybody, there's nothing to talk yeah, about. Nothing to so, say. Like, uh, but everybody still debates or like people still talk. People still buy the shit. I don't know. It's just uh or like anytime they hear a new band they gotta compare it to some other band that they like they're like this sounds like Metallica or whatever like I don't know It's uh, it gets on my nerves at the store I, I always think it's funny when somebody you know disses some of these new bands for sounding like old bands and it's like wait, wait a second first you diss new bands because they don't they're not like old bands but then when they when you hear a new band that sounds like an old band then you hate them because yeah, they sound dude. like an old band yep fucking hypocrisy so big dude. one i hate that shit <laughs> so um since you've gotten to tour with so many metal bands and so many hardcore bands like around the world throughout you guys's career what, what are some of the favorite bands that you've toured with or played alongside and you can't say stark weather <laughs> yeah okay uh let's see um uh, i really enjoyed like uh shadows fall tour with god forbid that was fun you know uh let's see dying fetus tour we did that that was a good time i think but but really when we would we did a ton of tours with uh, Buried Alive and Reach the Sky. We did like from ninety eight to two thousand. I feel like we've done we did so many tours with with those bands, like the three band package, and that was a lot of fun because it was three totally different bands. Yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds you know, three awesome. Three bands that didn't sound the same at all. So that 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 was a lot of fun. Plus, we just meshed well with them as people. Oh, that's great. Um, I hear Scott Vogel super nice dude. But then I, I liked what was that? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I heard I've heard that Scott Vogel is like super nice dude. Oh yeah, I've known Scott for a long time. Still still talk to Scott every every few weeks I talk to him. Oh, that's um, cool. And Reach the Sky as so, well. Uh, I fucking love that band too. Yeah, great, great band. So we did a lot with them. But we knew we knew Reach the Sky we knew Ian from Reach the Sky from just hanging out in Boston. Oh, right on. before that. Yeah, it's crazy how so, how like small the world is when it comes to. I notice you know when it comes to like hardcore, metal, punk, all those bands that fall under that that you tour with. Everybody see it's like so like Ryan was saying earlier, like close knit, where you become friends with all these people all over the world. It's fucking awesome. And that and that's the amazing thing. about about this underground music scene you know that you that you have those relationships and i mean i don't know anything else you know um these are where my friends have always been you know 
I don't hang out with a lot of people that are outside of this music scene. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not that I don't like people that are out, you know, you know what I'm saying? I have, have acquaintances, but there's nobody that I'm like tight with. No, I, mean, I, I, I totally get it through this uh, music. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's everybody that, that, that I spend my time with is from, you know, from the underground music scene. And I say underground music scene because I hang out with, metal dudes and I with hardcore people. Right, right, for you know? sure. And that's the reason we started this podcast was to promote all kinds of different music that, you know, people don't talk about or that we feel should be heard, you know? And then we get to talk to cool people like right. you that we've uh, been fans of forever. It's kind of weird. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I love it. I love it's, it too, it's, man. Uh, it's great. So judging by that, I'm guessing that's how the End Rain project kind of started since you I'm, I'm assuming knew dom through integrity before i i knew dom long before integrity actually oh, i knew okay. dom uh probably since you know mid 90s when we played in toronto for the Holy first time shit. That's when i met dom forever i, I want to say 95 it could have been that but i've i've known dom forever you know so we we've been friends for for a long time and then you know and then through integrity too also but but i knew dom before that okay that's awesome and then and rain happened because of covid and rain was originally just uh me and dom bored out of our minds okay i think that's kind of what he yeah, said kind too. Of what he said. but he said he was the mastermind oh he is the mastermind I give him that he's the mastermind but uh he, what happened was you know we we're sitting here and it was like it, it was probably like April or May of COVID and, you know, everything was shut down and Dom was like, Hey, I, I wrote these, I wrote these songs and um, would you want to put vocals on these songs? And, and I'm like, you know, sure. But I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to sing at. I don't have anything here. And he was like, Oh, put uh, what is a garage band on your computer? So I was like, all right, I put it on. Then I was like, well, I don't have any microphone that fits in here. But I found my daughter had like a little pink uh, <laughs> playset microphone, and I just shoved it into the computer and sang, uh, what is this song? Uh, the Thieves song. I sang it in my living room. My neighbors must have been like, what the hell is going on over there? Uh, but I sang it through a like a, a pink <laughs> microphone. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he starts sending me more songs and he's just like, oh, I wrote this song. And then we're, we're just having fun with it. And then I was like, what are you going to do with these songs? Like, I don't know. And he said, maybe I, maybe I'll put it a seven inch out or something with it. And then all of a sudden, like a few months later, he was like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's make this a band. I got, I got Jarvis on board. Well, actually first he had, uh, somebody else playing drums. Um, Joshy, he had playing drums. And I don't know what happened with that. And then, then he had Jarvis. And, uh, yeah, I just kept writing lyrics to the stuff that he would send me. And then uh, we met somewhere in the middle and recorded with Len from uh, Landmine. And there you go. There's the end record. So there is recordings of you singing through a pink microphone, like, out there? Those should be on the collector's There's, edition. There is the pink microphone tapes or Dom something. Has them. Those would be a good collector's edition. If you if you do a deluxe end rain, I probably the second disc. They're out there. I probably have them somewhere on my computer. I have to look through my files, but but that's how it that's how it started. 
It's hilarious. That's awesome. Though. Your wife did the cover art, right? Yeah, she did the cover yeah, art. Yeah, that's cool. Has she been um, into art like forever, like painting like that? Oh yeah, she went to she went to art school. She's uh she uh she did the first Starkweather album cover because she was the bass player for Starkweather. Yeah, right, right. So now did you guys um, meet on tour and shit. And then, what's that? You guys met on tour then? The we met. Yeah, we met in 1993 um, playing um, in Troy, which is right outside of Albany. And we were, I mean, we've been friends forever. And then um, then we lost touch for a while. And she came to the show and she was living in Brooklyn. So, you know. So you just basically married your best friend and that's fucking awesome because she sounds like a pretty kick-ass lady. Yeah, and we also have a band together called Below the Frost. Ah, yeah. We were talking about that. that. Let's get to that. Where that, where can you hear it? That, or is there nothing the, recorded yet? Well, that, um, there, there's a band camp up with some songs on there. It, that that band where where N Rain was born from COVID, COVID killed that band. Oh. <laughs> COVID killed Below the Frost. So okay. hopefully we'll we'll get that back up. But the problem with getting that back up is Matt from Hatebreed is the drummer. Oh, so he's a little busy. Yeah, it's really hard to like get time to to get stuff together, you know, and then, you know, she's busy, you know, with her art. Um, so, and then I have All Out War and then I have End Rain. So that's been hard to like mesh up, but but we did record a bunch of stuff and put it up on Bandcamp, so you can check it out. The Definitely. recordings are a little a little rough. I think there's better versions now. I'm not sure, but but they're up there anyway. Cool. Yeah, I was looking for it. I couldn't find it, but I guess I brain farted to check Bandcamp, which should have been the first place I checked. But where where Dom is the mastermind behind. And rain. Michelle is the master mind before, uh, behind, and whether she feels like doing it or not, because she wrote all the songs. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, the rest of us are just, you know, we're just there. Yeah, yeah, right. You do <laughs> so this, she, you do that. She tells, she tells us, yeah, and she, she just writes everything. Yeah. So you've had two, two kick-ass records come out this year. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully, and rain plays a show at some point. You know, that's a speaking of difficult schedules. Yeah, you know, that band because everybody in that band is busy. Yeah, and in different locations too. Yeah. So you've lived in upstate New York your whole life in the town you were born in, still in the same place. That's no, where... I'm uh, I'm north of there now. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, I live in a college town called New Paltz. I went to college here, and um, when Michelle and I got married, at first we lived in a place called Beacon, New York because that was closer to the city. So she was she was living in the city, but she was still working in the city. So when she moved up, first we lived in Beacon. And then we moved up here because I knew of this place because I went to college here. So this is farther up than where I've ever lived before, but I, I like it up here. It's mellow, you know. It's a, it's a very uh, art-centric, if you will, type of town. Very, like, laid back. It's very, like, friendly towards the arts. So uh, so we've been here. We've been really happy with living here. We've been here for a while. That's cool because you don't, um, I mean, that's another rare thing in, in uh, I guess, in, in music is to have, in our underground music, is like you have a, like a total home life, normal life, 
and then in like you're kind of like hiding out in upstate new york where like most people would be like oh i'm in the city or i'm just outside of the city you know and we're in the middle of nowhere so i can appreciate that well you know the hudson valley you know is is a we have so many great bands here. I mean, we have we have Mind Force, we have Age of Apocalypse, we have uh, Morpheus Descends, we have metal band Primeval. I mean, there, there's a ton of bands from here. Um, and you know, years ago, we used to have a ton of places to play. There's there's a million bands, but there's like no places, which is amazing that we have so many bands. Yeah but nowhere to play. Fucking but hopefully that'll change. But I mean, back in the day, we, we had great, great venues and so many bands came through here. Like Creator played in a place that probably was a little bit bigger than your living room here. <laughs> what? You know, Sepultura too. Like this tiny place Holy called Rock House shit, in Middletown, dude. New York, which is in the Hudson Valley. So you're a history teacher, yeah? Yes. What grade do you teach? I teach 10th grade, and then I teach an elective called the Social History of Rock and Roll. Oh, that's cool. Which we cover all genres of music, even metal and hardcore. Oh, wow. We talk about hip-hop, we, we talk that? about metal, that. we talk about punk rock, you know, you name it. We talk about we face it all the way back. We start in the early 1900s and go all the way up. Actually, we even start in the 1800s and we go all the way up until, all the way up until today. Shit, man, that's cool. I had a class uh, about serial killers when I was in school. I thought that was cool, but I went to like an oh, yeah, alternative teaching thing, like you know, not a regular, like not a regular high school, but a. Was it like, forensic science? No, it was just, oh. we had a crazy lady who was like, y'all want to learn about serial killers? And it was a true crime <laughs> class. It was fucking great. And that was, that was in a public school? It was public, but it was like, um, I went to like Aces Academy, which... That was in a public school? It's like, it's public, but it was like, I don't want to say for bad kids, but there were like pregnant teens and then like... It's an alternative school. Yeah, it was like, all I... Instead of like having to be around a bunch of people, I just put headphones on and like graduated high school. Oh, that's great! So, went, but we had a cool true kind class. I went to the same school. Which I went. They would uh, they'd let you like yeah. smoke cigarettes at the end oh, of the yeah. driveway and stuff. It was pretty liberal, and like I said, like we were talking earlier about being like introverted people. It's like that's the perfect school for guys like us. Or, or it used to be anyway. I'm not sure. I've been out of there for quite some time. Um, yeah, that would have helped me out a lot in high school. Like, I um, I would be the last person anybody would expect to be in a band or expect to be a teacher because I was, I was really quiet in school. I still, you know, have, have like, crazy anxiety around a lot of people, but I make it work somehow. Well, yeah, you, it's like you have to... Um, you have I'm to definitely not a people it. person. No, I I uh, totally get that. I I guess um for us up here is we live in a very um conservative area, so like as far as like tattoos and shit, it's actually pretty liberal because it's just weird that around here that people are kind of more accepting of it, but then in other ways, it's like it's horrible, you know. 
Okay, so earlier you heard us talk about the intermission. Uh, this is the intermission. So it picked up like, I don't know, it was a few weeks before we were both, uh, or all three of us were able to get on the same schedule. So we picked up where things left off and then, uh, you know, finished off the episode. So instead of releasing two separate episodes, you're getting an extra long one, an extra long one kind of melded together at a random point in the middle. So instead of just letting it cut to the next part and maybe somebody being a little confused as to why the conversation switched so abruptly, then this is your warning. So if somebody you... else also died. Who died? Bert Young. Oh yeah, yeah. Paulie did. Yeah. yeah. I seen that. That was uh you really fucking threw that out there. <laughs> Sorry. It just popped in my head. <laughs> I was like I thought it made it seem like, oh my God, somebody just died. Well dude, I mean <laughs> shit, it's Bert it's Bert Young, dude. Yeah. But anyway. I, to be honest, I kind of thought he passed a while ago, but maybe that was because of the Rocky movie. He was, like, dying in the Rocky movie. Oh, yeah, he movies. died in the Rocky yeah. movie, but not in real life until yeah. yesterday or the day before. Yep. I Enjoy the fucking Mike Score interview. Yeah, Peace. so if you made it this far, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the next 40 minutes or so. Thanks. Mike, thanks for taking the time to jump back on and finish everything off with us. Um, oh, I know no, you've been no worries. Thank, thank you. Uh, so how was the uh, Blood Axe Festival in Japan? Blood Axe was great. Japan is always great. You know, I want to thank all those guys for bringing us out there, especially Kobe for bringing us out there, you know, twice now, you know, for Blood Axe. It was a great time. It was it was great watching all the bands. And then the show the next day was awesome. We did a, a second show, a club show the next day, which was, you know, equally if not even better because it was in a smaller place. So it was very, very intimate. We had a great time. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of pictures and videos and stuff like that you were reposting as the shows were going on. It, yeah, looked like it was definitely, I, I love going over there. So, you know, hopefully they'll have us back again. Yeah. I've never been over that way. I'm not a fan of long plane rides. So, and unless you want to go by yeah. boat, like, there's like no other way to get there. <laughs> nah, yeah. it, I'm telling you, it's, it's well worth it. You know, it's what, it's definitely well worth it. I mean, um, the travel time when we were coming home, I figured it out, you know, and I was like, the flight was only 12 hours, but when you factor in all the travel time and sitting in airports and, and you're driving to the airport, I was, I was telling these guys, I was like, wow, you guys realize we've been traveling for like 25 hours <laughs> at this point. Insane. You know, oh, yeah, but nah, again, nah. it was well worth it. I got turned on to this band, Cruelty, that I heard of, but I got to see them live, and, and they were so good. I love when that happens. I just uh, saw um, Mind Force live, and um, I was digging them on, you know, record. But then when I saw them live, I was just like, oh, shit, you know? It just yeah, blew you away. Mind, Mind Force, Hudson Valley heavyweights, man. Yeah, They're yeah. From right, right around here. Yeah. They're fucking you know, awesome. Those guys forever. Oh, shit. Yeah, they put on a fucking badass show a couple weeks ago. But how Jay's was been in so many bands through the years, so many great bands. He, the singer, he's been yeah, in so many yeah, bands. Yeah. I like he played it. drums for a while. In really? a lot of bands. That's what, cool. What other bands has he been in? Yeah, I didn't know about any other. other he's bands. been in a band called When Dreams Die. Um, there was another band that he was in that was more. Uh, they played drums for, and I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It might be Elevate. But uh, he's been he's been in a lot of bands. But he plays drums as well as sings. Oh, right he's on. a talented guy. Yeah, I think uh, 
I think they're on like the seventh press or something of their first album yeah. for that record yeah. label. It's like it's the biggest, most pressed album we've had. Yeah, he's a, he's also a teacher. That oh, he's a teacher ir- too. That's ironic. Yeah, he's a teacher a, also. Yeah. Yeah, my fucking wife watches a lot of like hard lore and like interviews like that, and she she said that being a teacher is a very is like a fairly common uh, profession for musicians and i think that may be because of you i don't know about that but... i don't know man because i never heard of anybody else doing it and i remember being a kid and being like dude wouldn't it be cool if mike score was our fucking history or even our teacher you know and then we'd always well, it's, like, cra- it's crazy now what like he i would do you know like you think he would fucking you know like crucify us and shit you know like just be goofy <laughs> or would he not uh, even like you know acknowledge you know i don't know it's I acknowledge it, but I, I don't really talk about it so much. They don't bring it up so much either. I mean, it's funny though because I always run into I always run into kids on the kids like grownups now that um, that I had as as students that are now like into into like underground music, and uh, they're always like, "Oh, you remember me? I, I had you in ninth grade," and I'm like, "Man, I don't. You're yeah, an adult you, now. Yeah, you have so many kids. <laughs> You've updated your profile picture. I have no idea what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right." So how was uh, digging in Japan as far as records? What's that? How was um, vinyl hunting? Well, we didn't have as much time as I as I thought, and we didn't go to the same the same record stores as last time, so it wasn't as good. I was a little disappointed. I, I saw I got a uh, Slayer Live Undead pressing that I've never seen before, um, so that was cool. I found that, but uh, as far as rare stuff, it wasn't as good as last time. I was a little I was a little bummed out, but that's okay. Because the we went to a bunch of really cool temples instead, you know. Oh, so right we did on. a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of touristy stuff this time. Yeah. So you know, I can't complain at all because I always find records. No, for sure. What's the um, like how what's the pricing like is compared to over here? Like you know, if you'd pay say twenty dollars for a a record here, how much would it be in Japan? Like around the same or cheaper more expensive around the same yeah um some was a little some was a little cheaper you know which was cool but it, it's about the same when you really when you really break down gotcha. the uh you know yeah I, I went to a great record store last week purchase street records i think i talked about in the last last segment we did but purchase street records in uh, new bedford massachusetts and if you're ever out that way that's that's a great record store right on. yeah i think i've seen you yeah, post something about something that from there didn't you yeah, just recently. Yeah, yeah I, I got so. uh, I got all the the grave demos on vinyl. That was a cool find. Oh, nice. Yeah, Japan would be like it seems when you're looking on like Discogs and stuff. Japan's always the location that has the random rare things that you're like, oh, I wonder how that got there. Yeah, yeah. Like for hardcore that, stuff, the, a lot of times the, too. The last time we went, there were like a lot of records, especially like thrash records that were hard hard to come by here in the US that I got for a decent price. I think I talked about that I got like the all the original possessed records yeah, over yeah. in Dest- Japan last time. So that was that was a great find. Yeah. So we did an episode like a while back on what we think makes a good record store. When you go into a store, what do you like to see in a store? Like what are you I obviously you're looking for metal records, but is there some sort of determining factor that's kind of like, eh, this store is not that great or whatever, you know, depending on organization and shit like that? First off, I'm always looking for record stores that have 
something deeper than what I can get at every metal record store. And I mean, I, I think that's pretty obvious, but the, but the one thing that I'm always impressed with is if I find records that I ordinarily would have to order online and this record store, whatever record store it may be, I walk in and every record that I'm like looking at online and I'm like, ah, oh, do I want to order this record online? Do I want to wait for this record? Do I want to make this kind of commitment? And then I'm just like, ah, you know, I really don't want to spend the money and I move on. I love going to record stores that have all those records that I see online, you know, from, oh, from yeah. a lot of like yeah. underground labels. And that's really how I judge if I really like the record store or not. If they have things that ordinarily I would have to order because I couldn't get them at like any local shop. If they have like a really deep selection of, of those records, you know, I'm more impressed than if they have just a few like hard to find items because, you know, those hard to find items, they're always up on the wall in these record stores for so much money yeah. anyway. So, you know, they're like beyond what I can afford a lot of times. Yeah. So if I go and so I'm, I'm more looking for things that that I usually would only see online. And it's cool to see a store do that because a lot of stores will be like, oh, this is worth, you know, three, $400. And they don't even put it on the shelf. They put it online a lot of times. Right. And so to find a store that's actually like, nah, screw that. We're going to make our customers happy first and foremost and have it out on the floor. Like, I appreciate that in stores because then, it, I don't know, like doing the other way. I get you got to make your money. I understand I'm in the business. I know how it works. But at the same time, like give your walk-in people first and foremost shot. And then if it doesn't sell in, you know, a due amount of time, then put it online. Well, I mean, and like I said, that's what gets me through the door. And then, you know, if I know that they're going to have something that I'm ordinarily going to have to order online, but they're going to have it. And, you know, I'm talking about underground releases. If I know a record store has that, that gets me in the door. And then I'm more likely to drop a lot of money on right. something rare that they have. But, right. you know, that's what's got to get me. You got to get me there first. Yeah, yeah. Like I go that's to, the fight with you know, a lot of people. The, what was that? I'm sorry. I so that's it. like the fight with a lot of people because most people, uh, you'll be like, uh, you know, I can order that in the store for you. And they're like, oh, well, I can order it too. I'm right. like, well, shit, like, what, the, what am I doing here then? Right, I'm saying I like it when it's already there. Like, yeah, I don't have yeah. to tell them to order it for me. I know it's going to be there. Yeah. Because I think I said this last time, I, I'm, you know, the, the crate digger. I like to go through mm -hmm. all the crates and look and, and go through all the shelves and flip through. So when they have those records that I don't, now I don't have to do the online thing. I can see it. I can just grab it. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was kind of like that in uh grand rapids when, yeah, when we, we went, went to vertigo, there. vertigo records was yeah. like, yeah, I walked in there and it was like, you know, you oh, kissed your wallet. Goodbye. Yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> just watch that. Fucking yeah, that's, how, in flames. that's how purchase street is. That's how Armageddon uh, records are in Boston. And they have another location, Rhode Island, same way. Um, do you uh, collect your, like, do you collect All Out War stuff? Or do you have all your own band's no, things? How I wish I did. I wish I did. I was wondering. But no, I, you know, sold it off through the years or oh. just never, never had a lot of stuff. Like, I always, I always, like, look at some of these shirts that go online. I'm like, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had it, that shirt. Same thing, like, uh, with some of the presses of, uh, Truth in the Age of Lies, I wish I had because there's a there's a Japanese vinyl version that has the same color um, colors 
as the CD, the cover artwork. Uh-huh. And I wish I had that. Oh shit! Who was that? An organized I, crime, or that was just no, like some that random? Been, that would have been something that Gang Ground did way back in the day. Oh no shit! Yeah, I just was. I was wondering about that because it seemed like um a lot of people we know they don't have their shit, and then. That's because everybody's bugging him to get yeah, it. Yeah, and like <laughs> so uh, a friend like, of ours that we had on the podcast a couple uh, episodes ago, you know, we were talking about their T-shirts, and, you know, we were like, hey, we have some. Let's talk after. We'll sell it back to you, you know, like, because <laughs> yeah. the same thing. He doesn't have any. It's crazy. It sucks, you know? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'll see a design, and I'll be like, wait a second. Did we put that on? And I'll think at first it's a, a bootleg, and then I'll remember. I'll be oh, like, oh, yeah, I re- remember that shirt. Yeah, That's I got cool. a few old All Out War shirts. They're not 90s ones, I don't think, but like really early 2000s ones. There's one out there that's like my uh, my bass player drew the artwork. It was it's a very like nauseous style artwork, you know, with the with the dove that uh, was impaled with the um, with the syringe and chemical waste. And I oh, my okay. favorite All Out War shirt. And he lost the artwork, and oh. man, uh, every once in a while I'll see like I'll I'll see somebody post it online. But man, I wish I had that design still. And it'll be like a ridiculous amount of money, or not for sale, yeah, or, not or, for sale. Or, or not even for sale. Right. Just they posted up like the shirt that they picked up. I think we only had those shirts maybe for Dying Fetus tour that we did. I don't even remember what tour. It was only for one tour. And then um, the art is long gone. I don't even know who we had print those shirts up. So um, when we left off last time, we were talking about teaching. And there was something I wanted to ask that I didn't get to ask. Since you teach history and a lot of your lyrics for All Out War are very like apocalyptic, uh, sort of end of the world based. Is there any like period of time in history that inspires you to do your writing for All Out War? Or you just kind of uh, go as a, you know. I just go. As, I mean, I I love a lot of different periods in history. You know, I guess some of my favorite stuff comes from like the Mongols because I just really like how you know I find it really interesting how that Mongolia Empire kind of kind of tied everything together. Uh-huh. You know, um, and and the way they did it. I mean, that's just something that that interests me. But I don't really tie a lot of the lyrics into that. Yeah, I just always thought it was a because like. Uh, the dude from Bad Religion, he's a history teacher too. That's what I'm saying. And a lot of his stuff is very like political based, and um, you know, there's a lot of current events or past events that he uses for writing. So I didn't know. I mean, I, I get a lot of the lyrics from a lot of like books I read, like um, you know, a lot of the stuff from Assassins in the House of God. I, I was reading a lot of uh, a lot of books back then in that time period about like you know. Uh, where assassins you know where the term began and um you know a lot of stuff like that that really really struck home with me so and then um the latest record i i read a book called uh the end is always near i even named a song after after that book and uh, i found that book really interesting and i tied a lot of lyrics from that record into into that book and books like it i feel like that some of that bled over into end rain i would imagine because yeah. <laughs> that seems yeah. like it would tie in well end rain actually that well, a lot of those lyrics came from just being depressed during uh covid yeah i mean oh, that, oh, that's, that's right because right. that's right because yeah. you wrote it earlier yep. than when it came i mean out. That, that was probably the most personal 
you know record as far as lyrics go that that I've ever that I've ever done because that was a lot about like I was tying how how I was feeling to to like this void of emptiness right. and I uh, you know it came out the lyrics is like sort of like a story because if you really read the lyrics of that record it's almost like a like a concept record yeah. you know it's really tied into this whole, whole like alternate reality and i think a lot of us were during those lockdown times we're feeling that alternate reality it's like we had our old world that used to exist and now we have this like weird inner world going on it's just like a struggle to separate the two yeah so it was the uh, if it um makes you feel any better it was probably the second worst time of my entire life covid covid yeah i thought yeah. the lockdown was great i loved it I mean, aside from, you know, all the economic impact and the negatives that happened, but getting to chill at home and do whatever you want by yourself. Yeah, see, I didn't <laughs> get to great. do that. It was, it was okay. <laughs> but then it first, got a little you old, know, I guess, first, after a while. You, you know, know, that solitude was good, but then but then you started to realize, wow, the solitude is is good, but, but it's too sort much of a, for, be a, a forced thing. solitude. Like, like, you don't have any other choice. Yeah. What else are you going to do? And then after a while, you're like, well, how else am I going to get a release? And you're like, oh, I guess I'll just either go hiking, which I really enjoy, or I'll watch a thousand movies. And I kind of dived into music and writing lyrics instead. Well, well so paid off. So since you brought that up, what do you do? Like you're watching movies today. You said you go hiking. What are some other um, hobbies you've picked up along the way? You pretty much named them all. <laughs> I uh, I, and, I and hike a lot. Been, no, I get you know, it, man. Record I'm collecting, busy. hiking, raising uh, kids, being a dad yep. is definitely a big chunk of my time. Being being a husband is a big chunk of my time. So, uh, and then uh, yeah, I read books and kind of just music takes up a ton of my time too, in a, in a great way. I mean, because you know, if I'm not going to record stores if i'm not um going to see shows if i'm not spending time with my family uh-huh. or hiking I, I, you know everything else is really devoted to all out war and writing songs i mean we've been writing songs the last the last couple of weeks so we're on track to awesome. hopefully put out another record before too long like i i don't like to go too long without putting something out we were before um covid from 2000 i think it was 2015 like we're putting out a record every two years yeah. If COVID yeah, didn't happen, we would have stayed right on that because we were done with we were done with Celestial Rot in like two thousand and twenty one. We just had to uh get in and record it. Dang. Do you um know anything about uh condemned to suffer repress anytime soon? No. I mean somebody asked me about all that stuff with, with Victor and I have no idea because he sold everything to oh, uh, that's Condor. Right. Fucking Sony owns it. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, is, is Sony and Condor the same thing? I, I don't even know, but whatever it is. I heard the Shutdown only... dude talking about it. Who did you hear talking about? A uh, singer from Shutdown. He wanted to put out his first record, and because of that, he couldn't. Like, he, his lawyers wrote to that, uh, whoever Victory sold it to, and yeah. they were like, nope, you can't do it. Well, they, some bands have talked to them, you know, and I've, I've heard, I mean, I'm not going to mention anybody, but I've talked to some, some bands that have, have talked to them and gotten to negotiations, you know, and they want like crazy money for, for just the licensing fee. Yeah. So the licensing fee is like they want supposedly is more than 
you know, the production cost of putting out the record. So it's like you're, you're double in the hole from the jump. Yeah. That's awful. That's- yeah. I mean, it really sucks because, you know, they sold, they sold everybody's rights away. I'm talking about victory. Yeah, they didn't yeah. give any bands, you know, any, any kind of like severance, any kind of, you know, and I'm not saying they should have given anybody a lot, but, but something, I mean, a lot of bands were blindsided all of a sudden, everything's gone. Yeah, You, you have no dropped. access to your music at all. And yeah, granted, you know, we're probably all signed stupid contracts, you know, um, but we were young, and dumb, but still, I mean, it was, I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I, just feel I, like, I just feel like it really sucks that, that some like entity like Sony or whoever has total control of this stuff. And they're not even interested. Yeah. They don't in, give a fuck. Yeah. They don't care. And how much they're not making any money off of any, any of us anyway. So it's like, <laughs> wouldn't you just give everybody the rights back? You know, you're not, not making any money off this stuff. Damn. Yeah. They're more yeah, interested. They're, they're only interested in the online stuff. Yeah. Or pressing up like legacy artists that they own. Yeah. Like, Let's put out fucking what Garth Brooks fucking back set again. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, but 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 even with the victory bands, like I I don't think they're putting hard copies from anybody out. No, not that I know not of. that I've seen at least not from any uh, any of that era or anything or any of the stuff that got sold off. I haven't seen any victory represses in a long time. No, they all stopped when when Tony sold the sold the label. Apparently, wait, I was at when I was at uh, work on Friday. Not working, but in the bathroom. You're working? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll have to look at my phone, but I think you could get Path of Resistance second album, and you could get Strife's One Truth and In This Defiance, and those are victories. Right, but that's probably just the leftover stuff. It's probably not a, a repress from Concord. Oh, uh, yeah, it could be. That's could probably be. just could leftover be. stock. You're right. It probably is. Anyway, good point. Yeah, I guess it could be uh, leftover stuff because they probably did quite I'll a few originally. I'll dig deeper into that. Yeah, get back to you. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's that's what my no, assumption that makes would be. Sense, though, too. So, do you have a a favorite All Out War album that you guys put out? Like, is there any that you prefer more than the others? For my, you know, I know a lot of people probably will say their current album, but I'm going to say my, I'm going to say Celestial Rod because it's more in tune to the type of stuff that I'm listening to at the moment. Right. Gotcha. And and then, you know, with the older catalog, there's always stuff like you listen to it and you're like, oh, I wish I would have done that different. Or I wish we would have done that different. I wish I would have, you know, changed this lyric. Oh, I wish I would have put a chorus part there. So with the older stuff, it's like you're always second guessing it. You yeah, know, you so it's hard to it. throw that stuff up there as any of my favorite because, you know, because I notice all the things that um, that I would that we would have done different now. Yeah, I actually, I always wondered that because when I go through and edit the podcasts and stuff, I'll be like, oh, I should have asked that or I forgot to mm-hmm. ask this or I should have said this that way or whatever. So I always wondered if musicians did the same when they go back and listen to their old stuff. They're like, oh, I could have done this that way or put this fill here or whatever it may be. I will say, though, that, you know, Truth in the Age of Lies is, as you know, that's the first record. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably, you know, in my, in my memories anyway, you know, the most fun because it was so loose, you know, because we were just starting and it was an easy album to write because it was the first one, you know? So it's like, we had like a ton of songs to to choose from, you know, it was like, Hey, you guys want to put out a record? Sure. We got, we already have like 20 songs. 
So that was a lot of fun, like, you know, putting that record together. All Resist is still, I mean, that's a killer song to this day, man. That's Thank you. I, re I remember when we were writing that song in that's some apartment that we had classic, some beat up man. old apartment. Classic. You know, thank you. Uh, sorry, I was choking for oh. a minute. Oh, right. <laughs> I took a weird drink of water. So what's the last, um, I know you posted, uh, I think you had a burn seven inch. What's the, the burn seven inch that I picked up at a, at a, uh, a record show in Beacon, New York, which is close to here. I always go, they, they have that like twice a year. So I go and I have I a lot of, a lot of friends that set up shop there. So I, I like going to that record show. Um, then there's this other guy that I don't really know him personally, but he seems like a real cool dude. He's got a, he's got a distro. It's on Discogs called Get Awesome Records, and he's always got like really cool black metal stuff. Oh, right on. I remember, I, I picked up anything from this time. I don't know. I'm getting old, and I go to so many of these record stores and record shows. I don't even remember what I pick up and wear anymore. We used to get pretty Every, uh, record shows, but yeah, COVID there... killed it. Well, I think the record store kind of killed it, too. Yeah. Because everybody, there used to be no record store here, so everybody was, like, starved for it. So when it came here, people would buy the shit out of it. But now they go there, and they're like, oh, I could have gotten that yesterday, day before. It's funny, and again, this might be something we talked about last time, but, like, record shows now you know have so many like metal and hardcore and punk records and i remember back in the day being so bummed out going to yeah. record shows because it was all like old man jazz and you know stuff like that and it was never anything that i ever want that i would want and i was like wow going to all these record shows i'm looking for like records and i find nothing that i would like it was just like music snobs now it's totally different because there's like a ton of metal punk and hardcore stuff i mean tons like there's so many vendors that are selling that kind of stuff sometimes for astronomical prices but it's but still it's cool to see yeah our shit was mostly classic rock and like these old guys like they didn't go pet like venom would be just insane to them that's they couldn't that's way too hard so like about <laughs> that's where they would stop so you'd be yeah. really lucky to find like you know something random you found a didn't you find a mad ball yeah seven inch I, I got ball destruction out of there for like seven bucks i, I almost shit my pants i couldn't even believe that was in there but it was like i found uh i found houdini's escape in a box of tanya tucker records. yeah that's pretty weird <laughs> <laughs> well that's why you're always got to dig because you never know what uh -huh. you're gonna find yeah I don't even know why or how it was in there, but the original press, Dead Mint, Clean, I was like, wow, nobody ever played this. And, yeah, and the guy not, was and like, give me 50 it, cents. And I'm like, fucking sweet. And, <laughs> and that's how you find records like that, because people that have those, you know, other, they don't even know what they have when it comes to like underground stuff. So you'll, you know, once in a while you get lucky going through those bins and you'll be going through and you'll be looking at, you know, uh, I don't know, air, air supply and, uh, you know, just $5 yeah, yeah. records from the 70s or whatever. And then every once in a while, a gem pops up and you look at it and you're like, okay, five bucks. Sold. sold yeah. That's becoming more and more rare, though, as time goes on. And people, people now, you know, with discogs and everything, they, oh, they know yeah. what they got. Yeah, especially harder, with, harder the, find. with the hype around records and sales being so large, like everybody's assuming something's worth at least some yeah, amount of money. That's, so, yeah, now, right. yeah, you're right. The old grandmas are like, I saw this on CNN. Yeah. People are buying these <laughs> up. 
Um, That's exactly right. <laughs> I can CNN. Oh, that's like what my grandma said. No, it's true though. I, I read articles about it all the time. It's on the news. I wouldn't be surprised if like antique road shows like hunting records or something now at this yeah, point. Yeah, like the old. Bro, that'll, that'll be that'll be the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna copyright that so I get idea. a little uh little kickback. Yeah. <laughs> antique road show metal record episode that would be sweet though i'd watch it <laughs> definitely oh i would watch it definitely um so just before we like get wrapping things up here because i know you're trying to enjoy your day and relax but we do ask everybody this question on the show and i know you're mostly into metal but uh, what is something that you listen to that people most people wouldn't expect you to listen to i guess i love Bob Dylan desire that desire record. I love that record. I don't know if that's uh, weird or not, but I love that record. It's one of my all time favorite records. I wouldn't call it weird. It's just when like you're in all out war and rain, a bunch of metal bands and stuff and typically collecting that. So like most people associate you with metal. So they wouldn't expect you to listen to Bob Dylan yeah, or anything in that realm. And, and then, you know, I, but I think, I think that this is just, uh, I'm stealing this from, from Martin Ain, but, uh, I heard him say, like talking about music and different shades of black. And, uh, he was talking about like the cure and all that stuff. And I, I love that stuff, like okay, the cure and the Smiths. And, but I think a lot of people involved in, in this type of music love those bands as well. You know, I don't know how many of them love Bob Dylan desire record. And I, I like a lot of the early Bruce Springsteen stuff. Desire's an interesting choice, though. Like and it's most, Hurricane on it? Most people yes. would say, yeah. like, Blonde on Blonde or Blood on the right, Tracks right. or something. So why Desire? Yeah. Um, I heard it Hurricane at, like, a, a really young age. And I, I think, like, all the songs have, have really cool stories, mm. you know? And I think that's his first electric record, like, the first time he played electric guitar. Uh, on any record, I could be wrong about that, but um, either that or Blonde. I don't know. Blonde. I can't remember no, which uh, one. The first one is Highway 61 Revisited. It's the first electric one. Oh, okay. All right. So I was wrong with that one. And Desire's but, um, like 74. 74, I think. So something like that. Look but, at the Dylan but I just, expert over here. Like, I, uh, you guys sorry, are wrong. Man, sorry, man. <laughs> I just, I, I love Dylan. I know some shit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, that's, that's one of my all time favorite records. Um, speaking of the cure and like uh, the Smiths and that stuff, are you into any of the newer kind of dark wave stuff like Drab Majesty or Cold Cave or any of that sort of thing? I've listened to Cold Cave. I've never heard the other band yet, but you know, I find stuff as I get to it. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, there's some of that stuff that I would really like. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take a deep dive into it. I haven't really. The winter is a good time for it. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Usually, like, we're, um, as soon as the snow flies here, we're, like, deep-dived into black metal all winter. That's, like, my Christmas music. Well, you guys have a long winter where you're at, right? Yeah, Yeah, we do. I was going to ask you how the fucking weather is where you're at because it's fucking winter here. Now where we live here in this area in New York, basically we have, like, two seasons we have uh we have summer and then we have november and november usually lasts from about the end of october until about april and then summer hits so that's it's like november march weather and that's what's called winter now huh 
and then and then just summer <laughs> I wonder it's, what it's that's not like, like it used to be yeah i was gonna say that sounds not that bad yeah, actually well, half yeah. the time it's I... not but but after a while the dreary gloominess muddiness yeah. of november for that long kind of you're like all right oh yeah because you know. our winters go from there's times it snow like it could snow next week i don't know like it's snowed on a halloween here many of times and uh, it all, just lasts so long it seems we only get um that kind of like wet almost watery um snow anymore like we, we don't we haven't gotten real snow in a long time like i'm talking about like cold powdery snow yeah. we haven't gotten that in forever yeah, we get quite a bit here but we're basically almost canada at this point so i i would love it if we had real win- i'm a i'm a fan of real winter I'm just not a fan of the type of winter we get. Yeah. I'm like good with winter. And then after like the fourth month, I'm like, eh, <laughs> yeah, right, it starts dude, to like, wear. This is getting old. There's no sun. Like everybody's like transparent, mm. basically. <laughs> like that nobody's getting any sun for anything. And it, you just want to get out of the house eventually. But, right. I do like winter hiking if there's a lot of snow. I like that. I like getting out there. You know, oh, yeah. there's You'd a like decent amount of snow. Snowshoeing, yeah. yeah. I like that. Me and uh, Matt from uh, Hatebreed, we go, we do a lot of winter hikes together. Oh, yeah. You got a show coming up with Hatebreed here pretty soon, don't you? Yeah. Um, Thursday. Really looking forward to it. Just like old times. We're playing this place called the Chance Theater. It's like one of their last shows. It's closing. Sad to see it go. But um, looking forward to that. What other bands were on the bill? I remember there was a couple others, but I can't remember off the top it's of my just, head. It's uh, just us, Hatebreed, and Fuming Mouth. Ah, that's what it was Fuming Mouth. I knew there was one I was missing. So that'll be you guys' last show for the year, I think I read. No, we got three more come up. We got that show. Then we get, go to Chicago for Harm's Way's record release show oh, November eighteenth. That's it. And then and then Little Rock, Arkansas. There's a fest with integrity and terror and skeletal remains and outer heaven and yeah, tons of great band, too. Terminal Nation. Oh man, those are all great bands. Just I, the name. Of, I mean, this is incredible. I've, I've, I don't even think we've ever played Arkansas before, so I'm looking forward to going to that. Yeah, that's a really random, that's, one of those random southern states that I feel like doesn't yeah. get a lot of action going on. Like, I remember driving through Arkansas, and I think we even stayed at somebody's house in Arkansas once playing down that way, but I don't think we've actually played anywhere in Arkansas in our entire existence. So, you know, I'm looking forward to checking that out. I've never even been there. I've flown no. over it, but I've never been to it. <laughs> I've, never, <laughs> I've never even been in a commercial airplane. Uh, integrity. We just talked to Dwight the other day for a couple hours. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's very um, creative. Like yes. there, there was some shit that he was talking about that just blew my mind. That I was like, how did you even think of that as a young kid? I I love the artwork that he's that he's pumping out. Yeah. Uh, he sent us some of that stuff and then like some of his custom instruments and whatnot. And it was really cool. He did a, a design for us, but I don't remember whatever happened to it. If it ever, uh, Clint is really good friends with him. Clint from, um, crime scene. And he did something, but, um, I don't know what happened to it. Or not crime scene, organized crime. I was, yeah, was going to say, isn't organized Clint, Clint's going to kill me. Organized crime. Because I, yeah, I was, uh, I was actually Sorry, on Clint. that website. Sorry, Clint. Sorry, Clint. And the it's all fucked up because like I saw he had um like a new Shockwave T-shirt or something or newer. I was like, oh, that's dope with Megatron. And then it like 
I hit the button and it went to nothing. It went to like, you can buy this site for like, you know, six grand or something. Weird. Oh, you can buy the domain. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. I, I've had that happen to me before too. Just wondering. But yeah, I love, um, I love that label. Yeah. He does a lot of great stuff. I mean, we met, we met Clint through victory. He worked at victory forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Yeah. I remember I just got like the shockwave like discography from there uh, like a long while ago. Came with like a little uh, flexi disc where they covered a Hatebreed song, which was cool because I don't think they put that out on anything else. We would play shows with Shockwave and Erie PA, yeah. you know, in the late nineties, and those shows were all amazing oh, shows. Fuck like, I bet. I've only off seen the on hook, TV. Amazing. Waving flags and shit, like oh, it was great. Oh, it fuck pumps it me so, up just so thinking about fun. it. That'd be great. <laughs> It's funny how, like, through the years, you know, you've seen so many, like, places have these, re- like, really great scenes, and, yeah. and now you don't hear too much about those scenes anymore. Like, Erie is one, uh, um, Syracuse is another, like, you know. Yeah, hey, I was just talking about it. hear about a show in Syracuse, but never Erie. Like, Erie PA, and they had, like, uh, like Disciple had, like, Lake Effect Hardcore. I was like, damn it, yes. that's such a good fucking name. Like, because we could have totally stole that for Alpina because we're on a coast, but. Oh, yeah. You, that's right. You were just talking about that yeah. the other day. Because, like, we had, a pretty, we had a pretty good scene here. 25 to Life played here at one point. Like, pretty weird, you know, in the middle of fucking nowhere. And uh, where, where exactly are you guys? Alpina, Michigan. So it would be, like, if you... Uh, Put your hand out and make it look like a mitten, you know? Okay. We're like, what would you say, all the way at the top of the index finger? Yeah, top right of your index finger. Okay. And right, right. So you're, that's right. We talked about this. You're going up by Canada. Yeah. Sort of. We're yeah. like an hour-ish from the Mackinac Bridge, like an yeah. hour, 15 minutes, depending on how fast you want to drive. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, there's not much of a scene here anymore. It's very dwindled out because everybody that was in that scene pretty much moved to Grand Rapids or, yeah. or Detroit or outside of the state. Except for me and <laughs> like a couple of yeah, there's a handful guys, of us. You guys are stuck there alone? Yeah. Yep. Well, I think like we had kids when we were young, so we were like, well, shit, I can't just like up and move right now. But I'm going to tell you, it's fucking to me because my son's 16 now and, uh, and I'm only 38. So I just got back from a pretty cool show. And uh, the Cold as Life reunion show, I won't get into the details, but uh, I had a fucking lot of fun, man. And it, that show that show looked like a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you know it was. I'll fill you in later, maybe. Or you can listen to one of our episodes to see what happened to me. All right, but... cool. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you the video link of the, yeah. the death threat show. Oh, Brian, I'll send and you. the timestamp okay. of what we're talking about. But, right. um, <laughs> but uh, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to get off your chest as far as like social media tags or uh, upcoming show promotions or anything like that? I mean, you can follow me at mscore72 on Instagram or, you know, the All Out War site, All Out War Official. I forget what exactly the call handle is, but yeah, yeah follow me there official. and get all the up-to-date information on whatever I'm doing. I mean, I mean, I post pretty much you know the records that i'm getting and and whatever else going on if anybody's interested you know give me a follow yeah definitely and um i want to thank you again for taking the time to reschedule and like finish all this up and make sure it's all uh, you know clean no cut. problem and i apologize again for for missing the last time i've just totally totally zoned out on that oh uh, no it's no it's big deal good. man we understand 
But yeah, man, um, you enjoy your weekend, and thank you again. It's been really awesome talking to you. Yeah, okay. I appreciate you. Great talking to you guys. Great. Take it easy. Yep.